Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Very familiar scripture, and it says this. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, the concept of a mountain is something that you cannot get over or something that stays the same way. And when Jesus is talking about this mountain here, he's not talking about a physical mountain, but it is spiritually, it's a symbolic spiritual mountain that he is speaking of in our life. This is a situation where you feel stuck. That you tried to overcome it. Maybe you've even done things, but yet you've not won yet. You've not overcame. And this is an issue where it can be solved, uh, uh, you know, spiritually. But this is also an issue that cannot be solved by ordinary means. And it may be feeling like that you're even controlled by it. So I'm trying to build a picture of what this mountain is. A mountain in our life is not just a moment problem that just happened once or a day or two days, but it's really like a season. It's something that you're experiencing. And and you may have tried to use your willpower and positive thinking and went to a a counselor or whatever, but still yet cannot seem to shake it. The word mountain has been used by Jesus, and the context of it is because really all Matthew 17 from the beginning to this point is about a mountain and different mountains. In fact, here goes Jesus and Peter, James, and John. They are going up the mount, and it's where Jesus is transfigured. So we call it the Mount of Transfiguration. That's the way Matthew 17 starts out. So they go up there, and they have this God experience on this high mountain. And it says in verses 1 and 2 of Matthew 17, And led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white, as light. Now, Jesus was transfigured in the scripture, and the way that I would like for you to picture this is it's like in this moment. Don't get me wrong, the disciples knew that he was all God, but he's all humanity as well. That he was the Son of God, but yet he was in humanity form, flesh form, like you and I. And in this moment, they seen the zipping down of the flesh, and it's like the external flesh just zipped down, and they seen the divinity in a moment. All on this mountain, you have a few things happening. You have Christ showing, God allowing Christ to show his divinity to three of the disciples. God speaks out of heaven. And so this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. He said, listen to him. So God is endorsing the moment of the unzipping of the humanity part and divinity coming forth. God speaking. You got three of the disciples there. But then you got Moses and Elijah appearing. All in this moment. So you have everything for the Old Testament and New Testament been wrapped together right here on this mountain. I mean, what an incredible encounter to have. I mean, it's like a life-changing encounter. Spiritual breakthrough type encounter. God just showing up. And, and, And Jesus, the Son of God, now showing his divinity. And now you can see two patriarchs of the Old Testament. They have showed up. I mean, what a place to be. But they're on a mountain. No one raptured them on top of this mountain or raptured them off this mountain. They had to climb up the mountain. Spiritual thing happened. Mountains are not easy. But then they come down the mountain. And when they come down the mountain, they have another mountain they have to face. 
that's not a natural mountain, but it's a spiritual stronghold mountain. How many knows you can have an incredible breakthrough right now, but you may go home and all hell's breaking loose? Maybe you have had a spiritual encounter recently, but just in the switch of time, you had an encounter of spiritual stronghold in your life that you can't shake. We all have those moments. We have mountaintops experiences, and then quickly it's like we come down, and the devil doesn't like it. we got to face something else, and that's what happens many times in our life. There are just some moments that we cannot handle in the natural by natural means, but there's more that meets the eye because of spirituality of what the enemy would like to bring with principalities and powers and, and spiritual wickedness in high places, according to scriptures. But mountains are more spiritual than what meets the eye. Sometimes we're like, well, you know, it's just life. Sometimes it's just not life. Some things are just life. But then some things are meant to choke out what God's doing in your life. And you've got to discern that the enemy's wanting you to be discouraged in certain seasons so you don't have the full capacity or impact of capacity of what God would like to fill you up with. Even the Apostle Paul had mountains that he struggled with. He had a description of it. He doesn't tell us the mountain, but he does explain the struggle. It's an explanation of the external flesh, which is the mind, will, and emotions, the soul. The external flesh, the soul, being worked out through the body, and the eternal spirit at war. You hear me preach a lot. You're a spirit first. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And what your spirit tells your soul the soul tells the body, and the body reacts. And sometimes the soul leads, and the spirit's not even involved. And the mind, will, and emotions tells the body what to do. So Paul begins to give us an explanation of his struggle of the exterior of the soulish part and, and then the, in, the internal part of his spirit that he wants to see live. And he says in Romans 7, 18, 19, and then we'll skip down to verse 20. says this, For I know... That nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry out. He said, there's nothing good in my flesh. He said, my soul, my mind, will, and emotions all want to do all the wrong things. And he said, I have a desire to do right, but sometimes I don't have the ability to carry it out. He said, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And then verse 23, he's talking about his body. But I see in my members, he's talking about his body. Another law waging war against the law of my mind, the soul, the mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Has anyone ever done things they didn't want to do? Have you ever talked, done some self-talk? I'm not going to do that. I will not do that. Will not do that. Will not. You show up and you do that. Here's you one. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm telling you, I don't want to be good. I, baby, I'll bite my tongue. Don't you worry about it. You get there and you don't bite your tongue. You say it. Why? Because that natural ability is there to do that. It's not that it's always pretty or that's just the way that you are because God's got better. The Apostle Paul even went on describing how he has to die daily and crucify his flesh every day in order to let the internal, the spirit, live through him so that his soul, his mind, will, and emotions does not rule his body. So this is a battle that we're always facing. See, a mountain is being locked into a situation that you do not want to be in. You're like, I don't like it here. 
It's a season you don't like. It's a trial. It's a valley. It's a mountain. It's when you come down off of a good mountaintop experience with God and you come down and you're in a valley and there's a stronghold there. That's exactly what happened in Matthew 17. They go up. They have the encounter. They come off the mountain and there's just... Father with his son, and his son's having all kinds of problems. The young man would have epileptic fits. He would foam out the mouth. He could not speak. He would throw himself in the fire and into water, according to Scripture. This same story about this young boy and the father is mentioned also in Mark 9, and you'll see me go there here in a moment. But you have a mountain maybe in your life that you want to get rid of. But this father is like, my mountain is something going on with my son. Don't know what to do. See, the disciples would go out two by twos, empowered by Christ, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, and meeting needs spiritually for people. So this guy heard about it. He brings his son to the disciples. And this is what he says in Matthew 17, 16. He said, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. It'd be like I brought him up front on Sunday morning at West Logan Church, Pastor Scotty and the elders laid hands on my son, and it did not help him. He went home, and he was the same. That's what it would be like. This father is just breaking because his son, he is just having fits, foaming out the mouth, doing all kinds of things. Not even the people in this young man's life could help him. And God was all over the disciples. And yet even these godly men could not help. A mountain is when no one can help you. And you cannot even help yourself. You've had seasons that you're like, what can I do to help? Someone comes to you. You're like, there's really nothing you can do. Just where I'm at right now. We've all been there. There's really, I appreciate you asking. I appreciate prayer. But there's really nothing much else that you can do. In this moment, because you've tried the righteous, the unrighteous, you tried, and nothing works. And part of the problem was they were looking at the external issues. Have you ever messed up on somebody by looking at the external issues and not the internal? The external has the fruit of the internal. And a lot of times we want to treat the external symptoms when really what we need to do is get to the internal. It's like. This week I've been mowing grass, and yesterday last time I was mowing grass, and I was driving by, and I've been watching this weed grow, and you know, you feel like those things never leave, you know, the weeds and the mulch bed and all that, but there's one through, it come through the rocks, I kept watching it get bigger this week, I can't believe how much it grew, so I got down there to pull, I thought it would just be a tiny pluck, and it'll grow back next week or something, no, when I grab a hold of this thing, the felt came up, Rocks came up, and I have a chunk of dirt right there. I mean, I got down. Man, that's like he said. I got down. I said, well, that thing won't ever grow back. I got rid of the roots and everything. You can just see the end of it. And I just slung it in the yard. After mowing a perfectly good yard, I slung it there. I said, I'm tired. I got to keep going. But I got to the root of it. There may be one that grows around that. But in that spot, that same one's not coming back because I got to the root of the issue and didn't just deal with the fruit of it. See, part of the problem, we're looking at external things. If this young man seen fire... The Bible said he would run for it and jump in it. If he would see a mud hole, he would run and jump in the mud hole. Could you imagine how aggravating this had to be to this dad? This man carried, this young man, this boy carried scars from his mountain. Maybe your mountain has brought scars on your life. Can I tell you that most mountains do bring scars? Your mountain will leave scars. Most people would consider this young boy crazy by looking at the external diagnosis. What this young man was doing was caused by a spiritual problem that he had on the inside. And I'm not saying because you've got a problem, you're demon-possessed. But for this young boy, he was demon-possessed. 
And not everything that happens with a mountain in your life means you're demon-possessed. You'll go on, so I'm possessed, apparently. No, no, you're not. It's just that there's spiritual strongholds and grips that the enemy has on certain things in your life that brings on mountains. See, mountains are internal problems that show external issues. If we're going to move the visible fruit of your mountain, if we're going to move the visible fruit of your mountain, then we've got to get to the invisible root of the mountain. We're going to have to chop down the fruit of the mountain, but then we cannot miss the root of the problem, which we do a lot of times. The disciples were confused about the situations and came to Jesus and asked, why can we not cast it out? I mean, they were confused. We've cast out devils before. We've healed the sick. We cleansed lepers. Why can we not cast it out? And I'm going to get to that to the very end today of the why. But the dad does not say why to his son, and he didn't know the why, so he's confused. The son has no clue what's going on with himself. Then he's confused. The disciples were confused. What mountains do is bring confusion. You have a lot of what's and why's that do not get answered when you have mountains. Mountains have a spiritual root that need addressed, and the disciples prayed and nothing happened. Fixing your mountain means you need to diagnose the spiritual cause. You need to get down beyond the external into the internal because the expressions of the external is totally different than what is at the root of the problem. If you have an addiction, that's the symptom and not the problem is what they teach, and I believe that. A lot of time in addiction, that is just a symptom of the root issue. So we like to treat the symptoms and not get to the real problem. We like to medicate it with other things. I'm not talking about over-the-counter medication, but we try to medicate other ways. See, what is keeping God from getting through our mountain and turning things around? What, what is it? What's keeping God from getting there? What is keeping us from staying at this course where the mountain seems to continue to stay in our life. So we need the confidence regarding the mountains. We need confidence regarding the mountains. The Bible says in Matthew 17, 18, says, And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long will I be with you? And how long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. So basically Jesus says, Y'all are uh, faithless. You're a twisted bunch of people. In other words... You believe God for all these other things, but it seems like you're having a hard time believing me for this. Jesus said, this is a different level of faith. You should discern that it's going to take more than what you was doing to see this thing get done. He said, you guys, had, you guys have had faith for other things, but it seems like you don't realize this is another step of faith, this mountain is. So, once again, Matthew 17, 20, he said to them, because of your little faith. Notice, he said, because of your little faith. So, he caused their faith little. But then he said, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, mustard seed is the smallest of the seeds you can put in a garden, even in Jesus' day. So, he said, you of little faith, all you need is mustard seed faith. <laughs> sounds like a paradox. Sounds like something that is wrong here what what is he talking about what i mean how can you have little faith and yet it takes just mustard seed faith to move a mountain so there's a difference see faith and confidence speaking of mountain you need to look at the mountain and tell it to move away and, and, and when we look at this we got to understand it's just a misunderstanding of him saying little faith 
and then a seed, a mustard seed, because we're going to study out the mustard seed, and I'm going to show you a few things about it. But the problem is related to little faith. So what is great faith then, and what is little faith? Let's describe little faith places greater emphasis on the lie of the devil, and greater faith places emphasis on what God has said. So little faith is the kind of faith is when you put enough of the other things in place around you that if God doesn't get something done, then your situation is going to be okay. I mean, we're good at that. Like, I'll put this in place, this in place. So if I don't get my miracle, my this is how I'm going to handle it. But great faith is this, is that you continue to trust God even when the very opposite of what you're believing for is still occurring in your life. That's the difference between great faith and little faith. Jesus said, if we have mustard seed-sized faith, then we speak to the mountain, and the mountain is moved. All, all in this passage, you see little faith, and you see mustard seed-sized faith. Both of these look like little faith for the sound of it, but there's not a contradiction here because it's just a misunderstanding of the mustard seed. It says in Matthew 13, Jesus, in another parable, talking about mustard seed. He said this in verse 31 and 32. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. When you take a small mustard seed and you put it in the right soil, what begins to happen? The external shell of that seed begins to split, and then there's other seeds inside that mustard seed on the internal that begins to shine through. Our external represents our mind, our will, our emotions, the soul. The internal part of the seed represents our spirituality, our spirit man. So when the external breaks in the soil, then the internal expresses itself. Much like our spirit in worship, we break through mindsets, and we break through what other people think when we worship, and we do the same thing in prayer, the same thing in work, and then the internal begins to express itself through. For what was held, held, held hostage on the inside by the hard shell, on the outside can now grow because that hard shell has been broken. The smallest seed, the mustard seed, reaches up to 15 feet in height which is taller than all the other plants in the garden. Not only does this plant get bigger, but the birds of the air and the nests and the branches of the mustard seed, they can go in and rest and nest, the birds of the air can, in just a mustard seed tree. It actually calls it a tree in Scripture, just not a plant, but a tree. You know, Chris has got a garden that's overtaking the world with green beans and everything else, cucumbers. Going by on my lawnmower yesterday, I went, you got cucumbers everywhere. She said, how is my green beans? I said, they're overtaking everything. Good luck. That's what I said. Good luck. But take what faith you have today, place it in the right soil, and you will see mountains move. What soil are you talking about? I'm talking about soil of prayer. Prayer is the is the very hand of God being moved in our life. When we it's the vehicle that moves the hand of God is what prayer is. Prayer is our communication with God. We should not be a prayerless people, but we should be a prayerful people. Worship is the soil. Faith, the word of God, his word in our heart, that is soil. So we are to place ourselves 
and our faith in the right soil. Let the external shell break and get into an internal faith so that you can explode in faith. Your faith will be released in such strength that others can rest on you as well. Just like the birds of the air would come and nest in a mustard seed tree, so will others that are weary and downtrodden. When they get around you, you're like an overflow to them that there's a place of rest because of the presence of God flowing out of your life. Something about mustard seed faith. See, that mountain in your life is because the shell on the inside is controlling the life of the inside. You need to let the shell split. See, no mustard seed can grow unless it's been buried first. You've got to be willing to go through a burial in order to have a resurrection. Your mountain feels like it's on top of you and like the dirt is on top of you and you've been buried, but that's a good place to be because when Christians are buried... And they begin to pray and they begin to worship and they begin to declare life and speak the word of God and believe God of his word. That's when that external shell begins to break and the internal comes out. Sometimes we need some dirt thrown on us and sometimes we need mountain moments so that the true us, which we, is our spirit first, the true us begins to shine in the most desperate moments of our fleshly life. And that's when we have our greatest breakthrough and our greatest resurrections. I'm glad I got one golf clap today. We're good. I'm joking. Well, that's something. <laughs> okay, Lord, I won't, no more jokes. No more jokes. We'll go on. <laughs> Woo! But <laughs> I'm going to lose it today. I'm like, what in the world just happened right there? Anyways, I'll call the tech team later and ask questions. I have no idea. But Mark 9, I want you to pay attention to this. In Mark 9, the same story, okay, and we see the young man's dad, the young boy's dad's talking, we see Jesus talking. I want you to look at the difference between verse 22 and verse 24. Mark 9, 22 through 24, it says this. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, notice this, this dad. He's like, if you can do anything, just help us. Okay? Have compassion. And Jesus said to him, now this sounds arrogant, but it's just confidence. Faith can sound arrogant, but really faith is confidence. And Jesus said, if you can. Jesus said to him, if you can. In other words, you're talking to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, if you can. He said, listen, I can do it. He said, I can do it. He said, all things are possible to the him who believes. If you can, all things are possible. He said, if you'll just believe, there won't be an if you can. He said, I will. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, okay. No longer he's saying if you can. No longer he's saying have compassion. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Wow. So if you can do anything, he said, have compassion. But then Jesus like, all things are possible to him. Believe. There's no if here. I can do it. I'm here. And then verse 24, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. What does that look like? What does that look like? What do you mean you can believe and have unbelief? You better believe it. Aren't you spirit first? But don't you still yet have a soul of a mind, will, and emotions? Your spirit says all things are possible to them that believe. But your mind, will, and emotions, sight, the opposite of faith is sight. We know that. And, and, and the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. But our sight is what our mind, will, and emotions, our soulish part is fed off of. And we look at it and say, you know, it does look bad. That's what the doctor's report says. It looks bad. But my spirit says, 
God, there's no if with God. He can. And I have mustard seed faith. It's growing in me. The exterior of the seed is now breaking. And the internal is now coming alive. And I'm going to see some breakthrough in my life. The Dawson Report says this, but... The Bible says, by his stripes, I'm healed. The, the, the doctor said, I've just got anxiety, and, I, and this is going on. But God says he can give me peace beyond all understanding that my mind cannot even comprehend it. That's what my spirit says. Though anxiety may be in my mind, my spirit says I don't have to have that because I can believe God who gives me peace beyond all understanding. I'm telling you, you can have things in your sight that will cause you to have unbelief maybe, but yet at the same time on the inside, you you know that God's moving. We see it all the time in our life. Like I know what it all says in my sight. And there, but there's more that meets the eye. Yes, the devil is there's more to meet the eye with spirituality and strongholds and principalities. But also the Holy Spirit. I can't see him. But he's still working even when I don't know it. Someone needs to grab this in their spirit today and declare my God is working on my behalf even though I can't see it. Changing your perspective to spiritual things. Then spiritual breakthrough comes. When you have a mountain in your life, it's not time to be cute. You might have done doctors and counselors. I believe in all that. That's great. But sometimes you cannot fix yourself. And no one else can fix you. But God wants you to know that I am the fixer of all your issues and all your problems and all your family things and all your finances and all of your health. I am your fixer. It's time to say I'm... Too deep in the ground to do external things. I'm buried too deep to think externally and the soulishly. But now it's time for me to think spiritually because I'm under the mountain. I'm just not on the side of it in a valley. I feel like the mountain is on top of me, but yet I've got mustard seed faith that says I can speak to the mountain. And the mountain's got to move according to Scripture. See, this is where we miss it. We miss it here because we allow our mountain to have a voice and speak to us. And our mountain does have a voice. Our mountain says, I got you. Our mountain says, it's not going to change. Our mountain says, it's always doubtful and there's no hope. And our mountain says, it's just never going to change for you. But God is speaking on the inside of your spirit saying, just believe God. You know it's not always going to be like this. This is just a season. This too will pass. God has told you to speak life and not death. God's told you to look to his word and not look to things that's in sight. God just desires for you to look at spiritual things. What must we do? Is that we got to silence the mountain, but the will, we got to speak to the mountain. Have you ever been talking to someone and they talk so much that you have something important to say that will change everything they're about to, that, that, that they're saying? And you're talking, you go, oh, and they're like, and they're still talking. Then you think you got a moment, you're like, oh, and they're like, I'm not done. You're like, okay. All right, let me know when you're done. So you wait. Then you tell them, why didn't you tell me? I've been trying for 15 minutes to tell you. Sometimes we just need to look at our mountain and say, listen, I don't care how much you got to say. This is what God has to say about it. And we need to not listen to the mountain, but we need to listen to the God of the mountain. And that changes everything. See, we need to set rules to our mountain. We need to set the rules. What do you mean? We can tell the mountain where to go. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm going to tell them exactly where to go and what to do? You know, they're mad and they're ticked. We need to look at our mountain. 
and say, I'm going to tell you where to go. It does not have a right to be my life. It don't have a right to be my kid's life. It don't have a right to disrupt my life like this. It don't have a right to disrupt all the spiritual things that's going on in my life. I'm going to set the rules. You don't have a voice no longer. But here's the key to it. The moment you begin to speak to your mountain, the mountain just doesn't go the first time. Jesus spoke to this young boy that was possessed. And when he began to speak to him the first time, the boy threw himself on the ground, on the ground and began to have an epileptic fit. When you begin to speak to your mountain, the devil comes in and he gets more grip. You know what your mountain says? Well, they've never spoke before. The demon's like, they've never spoke to us before, so let's just try to choke them out some more. Before things get better, they get a little bit worse when you begin to speak to mountain. If it happened to the Son of God, God in the flesh, walking up on the earth, and he had to speak twice to the boy for the boy to be delivered, then that lets me know that sometimes we've got to speak to our mountain more than one time. Maybe you need to go two times. Maybe you need to just continue agreeing with God and say, I know it's going to break. It's going, I'm going to overcome. This too will pass. See, Jesus told the mountain the second time and the demon came out. I'm not saying you're dealing with a demon possession, but I'm telling you, they still, demonic strongholds still happen. And you still have to speak to them. We need to know the mountain in our life will try to grip tighter when we speak to it. We have to keep pushing. Even though it's getting worse, we've got to keep pushing. The demon and the mountain are used to running the show. So he doesn't give up easy. But we've got to be ready to fight that this mountain is no longer going to be in our life. So we set rules for the mountain. We tell it to go. We tell it it doesn't have a voice. We tell it we're not going to believe it because it only has a report from the liar, the devil himself. And we're going to dethrone that lie off of the throne of our heart and believe the word of God. It says in Matthew 17, 24, truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. So you speak to the mountain. Some things you just believe God for. You have a mindset. But there comes times when the mountain's so big, you've got to speak. You've got to do more than just pray. You've got to more than just believe in your mind and just meditate. But you've got to say, mountain, get out of my way. Jesus is showing us something about a mountain that could be what we are facing now. But here's the kicker. Some mountains need more than just words and prayer. Some mountains need more, is what Jesus said. This whole Matthew 17 is about mountains. Matthew 17, 21, this is what he said. They're like, why couldn't we not cast it out? He said, but this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Can I tell you, there's some things that never got out of my life until I fasted. I've had private fasts when I have. Me and Chris would fast. We would pray. I can give you story after story where I wept at the altar, but it did not break until I fasted. I can tell you about church. the church. There's so many things in this church that we see today and we, we get to enjoy because the church fasts, not because we fasted. But yet there's still mountains in the church, our church, that we've got to overcome, but it's going to come by prayer. And fasting. And maybe your business has a this kind. Maybe your family has a this kind. Maybe your vision, your ministry has a this kind. Maybe your family, maybe your job, maybe your finances, maybe your health has a this kind in its life. And this kind could be a business venture, a family member, a sickness, a stronghold, an addiction, a secret sin. But it's a mountain type of situation. And Jesus said this kind must be dealt with, not just by prayer, but by fasting. And fasting is starving out your flesh, feeling the hunger pains. And starving it out so you get used to telling 
your soulish part know. Fasting is having to go through the pain of hunger so that you can crack the external shell, the crack through the soulish part and bring freedom to the internal spiritual strength God has intended for the mountain in your life. Saying no to food, saying no to the flesh, and when our flesh gets used to denying it, then we want to have more victory spiritually because the internal can crack through the external. We have mustard seed faith today, but we got to put it in the soil of prayer and fasting. Church, if we ever want to attain great things, then we got to fast and pray. If your families ever want to attain great things, then we got to fast and pray. Like I've never fasted, try it. Give up your favorite foods. Give up your favorite food. If you're like, well, I'm a carnivore. All I eat is meat. Well, give up meat. Try to live on bread. But you can't live on bread alone, according to Scripture. Okay. All right. I love you all. No beef that time. That one must have been good. I believe in having fun in church. I believe Jesus loves humor, or he wouldn't have gave it to us. We need to dig deep for our lives, for our church. Can I tell you, our church is not just for our church. Our church is here for the region and the community. So by fasting and praying, we're really truly caring for the community and the region. Fasting and praying, we're caring beyond ourselves and we're dying out for self and we're laying down self and being crucified with Christ. And saying, God, I'm going to set a side a meal and I'm going to pray more and I'm going to do a devotion during that time and I'm going to pray things. I'm going to pray about my life. I'm going to get closer to you. Just let me be closer. That type of heart and fasting. I know we do this twice a year. You're like, it's just, I believe it's a spiritual thing that we do it. We don't do it just to do it. Fasting is not something you just go and do. It's not like getting out on a bike and ride. Well, I won't ride my bike today. I won't fast today. No, it's a spiritual thing that we feel led that we're going into this season. It's nothing that we're taking lightly. So we are asking you to join us. For your family, with us at the church, we're going to see some incredible things. I guarantee you today we've all had this kind of struggle in our life sometime or another. And I would say over half of this, this message probably hit home today on some point. And maybe you've had this kind too long in your life. It's time to see it break and the mountain gone. Will you stand with me today? Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.